0: listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our
1: church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today I'll be reading Deuteronomy 26 verses 1 through 11. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in the office at the time and say to him, Today I declare, to the Lord your God, that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous, when the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and to gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, So now, I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house.
0: Good morning. Let me figure in on what Everybody was surprised to see me today when I showed up. Where you been? Well, I was the intro pastor at Morton Baptist Church for 25 months. It, it was fun. It was nice uh, Then towards the end, you wanted to end. And they have called the pastor, and they seem to be happy with the new pastor. So I'm happy that they're happy. So um, that's what's—and I have been worshiping you folks. I usually have just a bathrobe on. Uh, I have her worshiping. And the other good news is that Lori and I, I are now grandparents. That's like the best thing in the world, is to be. Her name is Charlotte May. Uh, she was born in January, but uh, they call her Charlie. Uh, she's, got, she's a force to be reckoned with already. She's, she's wonderful. So. And I also thought maybe I would preach out of the Book of Romans, but I think you've had, I think uh, Dan pretty much covered that today. So, uh, all right, Uh, let's begin. I come from the land of the pilgrims, okay? Massachusetts, the symbol, the word pilgrim, is used quite often Pilgrim, the pilgrim restaurant, the pilgrim diner, pilgrim dry cleaners, believe it or not. Of course, the real story of the Pilgrims and Plymouth, we can uh, show 1620, uh, is a little different. There's a lot of myth and a few facts. Actually, before the Pilgrims landed in 1620, the native population had already been decimated by plague. So those first settlers would see very few uh, natives. And they actually began by stealing somebody's corn, and eventually the whole thing became King Philip's War. Uh, My sister actually lives in Plymouth, and every year there is a pageant and a protest. And every year they do that in Plymouth. And speaking of Thanksgiving, for me, Thanksgiving was a great day. My high school days, it was all about the big Quincy, North Quincy High football. That's what we did on Thanksgiving, and I was in the marching band. That was, I don't think you play football here on Thanksgiving Day, but that's uh, when I went, I went to Quincy High, by the way. And later in college and seminary, Thanksgiving, at least a day, meant a day off. And that was good, because I knew the next day I had to work a 12-hour shift, because I worked in a clothing store, and that was the first day of Christmas shopping. When I became a pastor, Thanksgiving became a a special time in the church. One of the great yearly events, we used to have an ecumenical Thanksgiving worship. That was the one time that the priest would actually come into your church or you would go to his and, and all of the churches in town would worship together. That was a great event. It was great getting together and planning worship with my brother and sister clergy. And the great emphasis was on helping each other collecting for the food pantry, and having that sense of community. When I came to Hilton, we started doing that for the first couple years. And then we noticed we had as many clergy as we had people in the pews. And we just said, let's not do it next year and see if anybody notices. And guess what? Nobody noticed. It wasn't on anybody's radar. But that's not actually bad, because I think uh, when you talk about ecumenism these days, the emphasis is not on worship, but the emphasis on things you do like, you do like the clothing ministry or the meals. That's, uh, that's the real ecumenism. But Jesus was pretty clear as well in his teaching that having plenty, having resources, be it wealth or full bonds of grain, all of that can get in the way with our relationship with God. That's why we read, read from Deuteronomy today. We might remember what Jesus said about if you, if you have a lot of money, it's harder for a camel to uh, pass through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy to inherit the kingdom of God. And believe it or not, that, that appears in all three in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. And one of the principles of Bible study is if something's repeated more than once, it's important. You know, like when Jesus says, Beverly, Beverly, pay attention when he says that. It means something. The words we read of Moses remind us that even as God's people were on the verge of getting to the promised land, where the likelihood of life would get better, they had to understand that in the relationship in in light of their relationship with God. I think there's an obvious parallel with our lives right now because we're longing for it to get better. We can sort of see and taste maybe if that vaccine is developed, maybe in a couple of months we can can kind of see and taste it. And we hope what we see and taste is true. (coughs) Now, understanding all the making of God's people, the wilderness wandering, the giving of the law, is not always simple. Since we read from Deuteronomy, but the first five books of the Old Testament, of the Pentateuch, are part of different streams of traditions. And most scholars think that most of this stuff wasn't written down until the Babylonian captivity, when when the Jews were kind of forced and taken to Babylon, and then they were grouped together as a people and they kind of rediscovered who they were. And also the Hebrew people, much like among pilgrims in America, were not always kind and just to those they encountered. Nevertheless, the law, that's all five books of the Old Testament, have the potential for people keeping people just and having a just and godly society. We're reminded that we talk about a godly and just society, if you, one time I was coming back from Batavia where I was preaching, and I decided to obey the speed law. I set my thing right at whatever it was, 60. And I had a backup almost to Buffalo. I mean, it was just, and people were going around and staring and making gestures with one of their fingers. I mean, it was just the, and I said, Sometimes, I said, I, I, won't, I won't do that again with the law. Um, I'm afraid sometimes even around these country roads, I'm afraid if a kid, uh, in my neighborhood, if a kid runs out or someone gets too close to a mailbox, it can be difficult. Our text today is a text for Thanksgiving. It's often read in a, a Thanksgiving worship or in ecumenical worship. And in this, Moses is instructing the people as they prepare for their new lives and situations. The book, actually, Deuteronomy has five important sermons. We remember that the people wanted for 40 years in the desert. And the truth is, it wasn't a large area. And somebody says the reason that they wanted for 40 years is because men, even back then, refused to ask for directions. You can laugh. The people themselves learned hard lessons along the way. And it was their disobedience to God and his leadership that got in their way, along with neighboring tribes. So this is the next generation. All of those initial people that left Egypt, they all would die in the wilderness. Moses would die. He could see the promised land. They lifted him up, but he would die not enter the promised land. I'll tell you what's going on. There's a psalm we sometimes read, Psalm 95. It's often used as a call to worship. It's it's a delightful psalm. But they often leave out the last part of that psalm, because it goes like this. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribeth, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to proof, though they had seen my word. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger, I swore they shall not enter my rest. You might remember one time Moses had to strike the rock they were watering, and they were complaining, and they said, we're, we're dying of thirst. And that psalm refers back to that. This is also, that psalm and the one we read today from, from Moses is something of a litany. This is an act of worship, of standing and speaking and offering oneself to God. In this particular case, Moses is instituting the festival or the offering of what they call the first fruits. Let's see if I can do this. Our Jewish friends would call it Shabbat, or the Festival of Weeks. And we know it as 50 days after Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, we know it as Pentecost. It's an interesting parallel here with the first fruit of uh, Passover and the period between entering the promised land and the time between Passover and Shabbat or Pentecost. There's also a parallel of giving our first fruits and our gifts and giving by God and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's a pattern here of remembering, of giving, and building community. When God blesses you with the fruit of the land, remember it's always, remember it first and and always that it's God's blessing. Later on in the passage, Moses gives the words that they are supposed to recite. When they bring their first fruit offering to the priest, a wandering Aramean was my ancestors. The Lord heard our cry in Egypt and brought us out and now gave us this land. Someone once said that if all the soldiers in World War II that promised to go to church when they got back went, there would not be enough churches anywhere to take care of them all. We all have selective memories, don't we? We remember things. My dear mother was a depression baby. And you know what they're like? She was visiting one time, and she saw like a MasterCard bill. And she goes, you don't pay the bill off, you don't pay it all off at the end of the month? I go, no. I said, sometimes I maintain a balance on my credit card. My mother thought that was the worst thing in the world because she feared debt. She only used credit cards so she wouldn't have to carry cash. She never forgot those tough times growing up. but My mother never paid any interest either on the credit card. For God's people, through Egypt and the wilderness and the traditions of the Psalms and even in the New Testament, when things go well, when we get there, we can get forgetful. Forget the giver, forget the blessings. God has provided a clear way for people to never forget. He did that with the priesthood and places of worship. The Levite mentioned here in the text could also be seen as the church or the church staff. Levites were exempt from war and other obligations, and they were supported by the giving of the others in the community. And yes, there were some elaborate rituals and laws and ceremonies that developed in the tradition, but the role was always twofold to make a place where people could connect with God in worship as a community and to be a continuing reminder that God, or later God's word and God's table, were in their midst. You know there are many things a pastor does these days, but the primary task of the pastor is to still, is, is to keep the word before the people and the people connected to the word. And I, Pastor Dan does a great job of that. He does it very, very well. It is lastly we mean the end result of all of this is best described as being in community. One gets a sense here that after the temple ritual, with the litany and the presentation of the offering, what's next is a celebration. Notice the last words. In that text is about being in the house who's in the house is significant it says it's the levite and the alien who lives among them it's kind of funny because we can't put that many people in the house this time because of covid but that surely brings to mind the first thanksgiving in our nation it also reminds us that we always don't live up to our ideals our own leaders and evangelical white Christians seem to have forgotten the alien part of our faith and tradition. Remembering that we too once were aliens. Actually being being an alien or a stranger is not a bad idea when you see what's going on around us. It sh- we should feel strange sometimes. But we know in our gut, we know in our heart, we know what our faith tells us, and you see what's going on. It's interesting, somebody was telling me today that one of the pastors just resigned to become a, a social worker uh, from the Presbyterian Church, and I read a couple of things online today. Several pastors have said they've given up being pastors because the people they preach to don't want to change, don't want to make a difference don't want to work for justice, and they get frustrated and say, I want to do something else that might make a difference in the world. So we may not be able to invite a stranger in this week, but I noticed that in Rochester, three, there's three or four sites of Thanksgiving dinner on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But we do need our rituals, our Thanksgiving is our celebration, not because we always get it right, but because we don't. We're reminded that life for us is good, but it might not be for someone else. We know there might be an empty chair at the table, and yet room to bring one who needs to be welcomed. If we remember what God has done for us, we can only give thanks, and we can only celebrate as a people. Thanks for listening If you enjoyed what you heard please be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist on Twitter at BrockportFB and on our website BrockportFirstBaptist.org Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.